I'm going to ask you to stand. I know that you just stood and just greeted people, but I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand during the reading of the word this morning. Turning your Bibles to second, uh, to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And my message today is not, it's, it's not necessarily a Mother's Day message, but it's something that the Lord has, has given me. So I'm going to share that. But it does involve a mother, but we'll get to that when we read and preach today. If you bow your head, today we are grateful to you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering in your presence. And we want to thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to be here. Thank you for life. Thank you for mothers, the life that God, you have allowed them to bring forth. And we pray today that you will bless this people in this place. May our Savior be lifted up. And we know ultimately, Lord, that life is in you. We know that we have our being. We know that we have our dwelling in you. And we thank you for your wonderful grace, your mercy, and your kindness. We love you. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will remain standing. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. My reading will be a little bit different than what's on the board, as that's the King James Version. I'll be reading from the NIV. Verses 1 through 11, I'll be reading. And it says, on the third day, and for those who just can't stand, you can be seated. On the third day, wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, what do, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The water and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here at Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You may be seated. As a title I've given this message, Jesus must be the focus. Jesus must be the focus. Sometimes it can be easy to forget why we are here on earth. Some people say that they can't wait until they retire because they're going to go fishing every day. Or just take life easy and enjoy doing nothing. Rarely do we hear people longing to serve Christ in new ways or relishing the time when they can start a new work for him. 
But when we consider Jesus and his purpose, he was able to enjoy life, but never forgot his purpose. Today we find Jesus attending a wedding that he and his disciples had been invited to. We will briefly look at this first miracle of Jesus and the occasion. Some people are so sorry that attending anything that is festive is considered to be a sin. Any fun is a sin. During Jesus' ministry, Jesus was accused as being a sinner because he ate with and socialized with sinners and did not hold to the restrictions that religious people said that he should hold to. We're going to look at one point and deal with that one point throughout. I don't have two, three, four, and five points. There will be several points within this one. And the simple point number one, if you're writing it down, is Jesus attending a wedding. And it says on the third day. Now, where do we get that third day? So if you're reading, your, your mind goes, the third day of what? The third day from what? Well, if you look back at verse Chapter 1, verse 29. Let me draw your attention there. John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, in fact, let me back up a little bit. Verse 24. John 1, 24. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, Jesus replied. John replied. But among you stands one... You do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's where we get the first Day, that next day. Look at verse 35. Let me back up. Go back to 32. I, I'm just saying some things that I don't want to skip over. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Verse 35, the next day, John was, was there again with two of his disciples. We get the second day there, verse 35. So when you come over to now chapter 2, it says, on the third day, so that's where we get day number three. Goes back to when John saw Jesus. And it's interesting that it was John who saw Jesus those two times. And it references those days. So on the third day from that time here that is referencing John, we find Jesus going to a wedding at Cana in Galilee. At the time of this wedding, Jesus has only approximately six disciples at this time. He doesn't have all twelve. And when people say that Jesus is no fun, they don't know what they're talking about. Jesus went to 
a wedding, a festive occasion. And at this wedding in Cana, we find that, that not only is Jesus there, but his disciples have been invited as well. This is not a parable. This is not a parable about a wedding. It is a real event, so take the mystery out of it. It is a real event. Some people try to make Jesus so spiritual that he could be no earthly good. He doesn't enjoy anything good on the earth, no. He was spiritual and he was also physical. Jesus was God and man. We need to understand something about Jewish weddings in ancient days. When there was a wedding, it's not like today where the wedding takes place and then you have the festivities afterwards. So when we go to a wedding, we then expect to go get some food. Eat a little bit there, and after a couple hours, go on home. The ancient Jewish wedding lasted a week. It was a week-long celebration. And it was the responsibility of the bridegroom and his family to supply the wine, to supply the food, to supply everything that's there for that entire week. It is also interesting to note that For Jesus to have been invited to this wedding, it implies that he either knew the bridegroom or the groom or the or the bride, and that he had been invited by one of them because they were friends with the family. And so he takes these disciples along with him because they had been invited as well. And then we note that his mother is also there at this wedding. Now, a problem occurs at this wedding that was something that was very, very significant. They ran out of wine. I believe the Greek word oinos is used for wine. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes, but that's okay. I'll just say it. And oinos means to have, it is wine that is either unfermented or fermented. It means both. We've been grown up, we've grown up hearing that they didn't drink wine because the water was bad. The water was fine. It was used for celebrations. But when a wedding banquet or festivities took place, there had to be enough. So when they ran out of wine, it was a most embarrassing situation because it would have ended all the festivities. Not only was it a most embarrassing situation, the family that is catering or or sponsoring this, a lawsuit could have been brought against them. It was a legal obligation. So not only was it embarrassing, they had to deal possibly with the lawsuit. Had you heard that before? So now we've got a problem that's presented before us. We're at this wedding where this joy, this wonderful and celebration, and the wine stops flowing. Jesus' mother, seeing Jesus there, goes to him and says, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, woman, not today, My mom was alive. And I said, woman, I'd be slapped. (laughs) A couple of times. 
front hand and back hand. And if she couldn't reach me, she'd throw something at me. <laughs> but in this day, woman was a term of respect. It's not as we use it as was used here. Because if you remember, when Jesus said woman, he also used that same word when he was on the cross to his disciple John says, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Jesus placed his mother in the care of his disciple John. Now the John that we read before is John the Baptist. When we reference the first and second day, it is not John the disciple. So let's make that distinction. So he says, woman. However, he says, what does this have to do with me? Now what you probably also don't know, there's a rebuke in that, in what he said to his mother. We've heard that, oh, it was just one of endearment. No, there is a rebuke. It's light, but it is a rebuke. Why? Why is there a rebuke by Jesus in this statement here? He's at this wedding. She goes to him. It would seem appropriate. She knows who he is. It's her son. Why would Jesus say, Woman, what does that have to do with me? Jesus' response to her is one that notes Mary's attitude. Listen carefully. When Mary approached Jesus, she approached him as his mother, stating that do something about this. And he says to her, it is not your place any longer to try to force something for me to do that's only in the hands of my father. The response to, by Jesus is a mild rebuke to his mother. That says, my timetable, my hour has not yet come. You will find that when he oftentimes said that in the scriptures, there was a time for him to do everything and it was all mapped out. And so Mary didn't have the right to come and demand as a mother, based on him now being an adult, to demand anything as a parent. You do this. That's how she approached him. That's what he is rebuking. But Mary does something very interesting. And I can see why Jesus, God chose Mary as his mother. Because when you look at Mary, there's, there's, there's something that's interesting she was chosen to bear this wonderful child. And then she said, Lord, may your will be done when the Lord said he would implant her with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would cause her to be pregnant. It was not a Roman soldier as part of the, the thinking was back in that day. <laughs> but it is noteworthy that she was chosen because she was a humble person. And her humbleness is even then seen by what? She does. She turns to the servants and says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. For Mary to be able to say this to the servants, it is believed that Mary had a responsibility at this wedding, that somehow she had charge of something for her to be able to turn to these servants and tell them, 
do what he tells you to do, whatever it is. Now, this is important to note because they don't know who Jesus is. Jesus has not revealed his glory of who he is. He's this person here, and he says, whatever he tells you to do, and it says something to us spiritually, that whatever Jesus says to do, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, your responsibility is to do it. It is to carry out whatever he says, regardless of what it is. Today, when Jesus says to do something, the first thing that comes to our heart and mind is the excuse why I can't do it. We, we, we got excuses for everything. My leg hurt. Ha, 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 ha. got you. <laughs> I, 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 I would, but, 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 if I only had more time, I would, but. But the excuses don't change what God has said needs to be done. So... Whatever it is, no matter what it is, do it. Don't care how ridiculous it may sound. And so Jesus, if you note, does not say that he is not going to do this thing. He's at this wedding. There is a problem, and he's faced with it, and yet he says, my hour hasn't come. But he never, did, he never told his mother, I ain't doing nothing about it. He didn't say that. But turns to the servant. And in Mary's humbleness, accepting what he said to her, she says, well, who do you think you're talking to? She don't say that. She turns to the servant. Whatever he says to do, do that. That's what he says. But I've got to go on. And you got a question. But let me go on. I'll get a question at the end. All right? All right. So hold it. Don't forget it. You're going to forget it? You're going to forget it, right? Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. But I'll come to you. You be first. So Mary tells the servants, and then Jesus does something. I'm not even going by, by my nose. I'm just going to preach it. So, <laughs> Jesus tells the servants to fill these water containers, these pots with water. These water pots, six of them, they said held between 20 and 30 gallons. So Jesus tells them to fill these containers. The servants, having already been told by Mary to do whatever he says, don't say, do what? Fill the containers. We ain't got no wine. You don't hear that. But they go and do exactly what he says to do. There's no complaining. There may have been some discussions on the way, but this is important because they would have had to walk to the well, draw the water, bring it, and fill up these containers. There was work involved here. There are times when God wants to do a work that he requires and says, you're going to participate in this. I'm not doing all the work and let you all scot-free. I'm going to provide the miracle, but you're going to work as well within this. This is a partnership. He tells the servants, fill the containers with water. It would have taken some hard work to fill all those buckets. They weren't going to turn on no faucet 
No tub of water and kept pouring from the pitcher. No, they had to go and bring and go and fill them all up. When it is all filled up, they don't just fill it half. They filled it to the brim. There is this important point of, as Sister Florence just said, obedience. That it's not just enough to get by. It is overflowing. It's to the very top. So there's nothing more that can be put in. And then Jesus tells him, you now take that. Dip it out and take it to the master of the ceremony, the governor, the person that's in charge. Dip some out and take it to him. And I can imagine that as they're walking, they're probably saying to themselves, this is not good. We just filled this up with water. And I'm being told to take this to the governor. This ain't, I'm going to, Mary said it, and I'm doing it. But this ain't good. <laughs> they take it to the governor. And the governor says, where'd this come from? We have been having festivities for a period of time. And this hasn't been on the menu. This is new. This where did this come from? And so he goes to the bridegroom and says, Man, this is not like typical weddings I've been at or helped with. Now the person that's in charge, the master of the of the wedding, the person that's kind of is overseeing things as well, it was oftentimes the person that was chosen by the family or bridegroom bridegroom, may have been a close friend, to oversee. So it was important that this person had everything also in order. I mean, it was important, so everything is running through them, and so take it to him. And Jesus, in honoring the ordership, the leadership, the order, says take it to the head and have him sample it. There's a message in there. There's oftentimes within churches a division that happens from the laity where they begin going to one another when a problem arises. And they will begin to murmur and complain amongst themselves. That led to death in, in, in the wilderness. One has to be careful. If you've got something, take it to the leadership, the head, and deal with it. And so Jesus tells them, take it to the head. Now, there's a passage in... 1 John, around 14, between 14 and 17, that talks about the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Within taking this wine and the, and the master of the banquet saying, this is different because once people have had a little bit too much, they don't care where it's pouring from, man, it all tastes good to them. Because... By that time, they ain't tasting a whole lot of nothing. But he says, this is different here because the best has been saved to last. Let's look at these containers. In the Old Testament, it was customary that ceremonial washing and cleansing happened from these pots. So they would be set at the temple or set in various places so that travelers that came in, they didn't have cars today where you can step out 
you know, not scratch the shoes. Their feet were dusty. Their hands were dirty. And they were used for washing their hands and their feet. This is what these containers were used for. And so they dip it out and it was used for washing. When you entered someone's house, it was the responsibility or the guest or the person of honor uh, or the host would wash the people's feet or provide water for them. This is what these pots were used for. The Old Testament had these set aside. Listen carefully here. This Old Testament uh, feeling of the water, this, this use of these vessels, were going to be given a new meaning. When Jesus says, fill them now with water, I'm changing the old wine, the old way of doing things, the Old Testament, and now I'm ushering in a new, a new way, a New Testament. I am doing away with the old and ushering in the new. I am bringing grace to this wedding. Through Moses, the law in the Old Testament, but through Jesus Christ came grace. It was grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, to supply the need at this wedding. It was his grace. It wasn't an act of judgment. When they were, were in the Old Testament, Moses did things. It was from judgment. In other words, the law said, you do this, you pay the penalty. But when Christ came on the scene, he brought grace and truth. These vessels now have a new meaning. New wine being brought out. Isn't it interesting that Christ's first miracle involves new wine? That's why I want to sing that song today that we started with. Pour out your wine. Isn't it interesting that at the end of his life, when he's with his disciples in the upper room, breaks the bread and then again ends with the new wine, which represents his blood. These vessels have been given now new meaning. New wine is being poured, is being taken out of. Do you not know that your obedience, and I've said this so many times, your obedience will help you to receive God's miracles. It is through the miracles of God, working through your obedience. Do you not know the miracles that Christ did? It was because of obedience. When he tell Bartimaeus, go, go, you go do this after, go, go wash, I believe it was, go wash in the pool of Siloam. When he told the individuals, you do this, when Naaman was going to be healed, he thought that one would come out and wave his hands over him and pray with him. Like, says, you tell my servant. He sent the servant. Just go tell him to go to the Jordan. I thought he would come out and do some spectacular thing. We need to watch our attitude when we come to the Lord. And he would have went away unhealed. And the servant said to him, now, if he had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have gone and did that? You would have wanted perform that if he told you to do some great naming, right? Yeah. Well, if he tells you to do something simple, why not just do that and be healed? That's some muddy water down the Jordan. I don't want to go down there. It's got better pools than the Jordans. Your healing is where Jesus tells you to go. Making up your own mind where you're going to go for your healing. Your healing is based on what Christ says you need to do. Dip out the water. That has now been turned to wine and presented. Now let me see where I'm at for our 12. <laughs> There's a problem that some people have that says, you know, Christ is promoting drinking. He ain't even falling down drunk. You got to bring a drink. Christ is at this, this wedding. Wine was a, part of the, was a part of the festivities. From the grape, that might have been unfermented as well as that which is. They, today, they, they mix it so that it depends on what kind of proof it is 
tell you. Is this proof? No. Things up there in front of them, they drink it. That was part of the festivities. Even in the book of Proverbs, it says, be careful when that, when that red wine began to sparkle, began to talk to you, <laughs> began to say some stuff. Your, your, your faculties began to change a little bit. You've got to be careful. Be careful. <laughs> you may say some things you don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> say, ooh. You said, I said what? Oh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> I take it back. Oh, it's out already now. Too late. <laughs> when we consider the Lord Jesus Christ pouring in, telling them to put the water in and dipping out, it begins the first of it says, in one passage, the signs, the miracles, his signs. And Jesus does not do anything halfway. Do you not know that he told him to fill all those containers so that there wouldn't be another drought at the wedding? When Christ does something, don't you realize how he does it in abundance? What about the two fish and five loaves of bread? All those people. And he gave them enough so that they could be full. And then there were basketfuls, 12 left over. And it's believed that it was for the disciples that helped to serve. 12 basketfuls left over. Your reward is not going to be diminished because you obey. In other words, if you fully obey God, he will fully reward you. You don't have to worry about uh, um, trying to get over it. No, just do what God says to do. Follow him. It is his grace that will cover. It's his grace that will supply and so the Bible then says, and his disciples put their faith in him. In other words, they had already put their faith in him. In other words, it's really saying their faith was increased. It was increased when they saw this. And he had already told Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. There are things, Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. You look at the passage before, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And they said, you know, we found the Messiah. Can any good thing come out? He says, come and see. And then he was impressed because Jesus was able to tell him where he had been. He says, and this is only, you're going to see greater things than this. And this is one of them. And the Bible says that the servants and his disciples knew. Let me close by saying this. There was another occasion when Jesus was ministering and it said that his mother and brothers came to him saying, wanting to see him. And then he told the crowd, who is my mother and brother? It are those who obey. That was another mild rebuke to his family. And you know why? It's because when you look at his ministry, it was based on what the timetable of God had given. There was a point that his mother had influence, but it had been diminished now because his role is different. Mothers... As your kids get older, they're not your little babies anymore. 
there's a great responsibility that you have as mothers and fathers as well, <laughs> but mothers stay today, to allow your children to grow up. Um, there's influence, but there's not the same control that we've always had, right? Because they're now the relationship is different. And as Jesus is launching, launching, he's beginning to say that my purpose has never been forgotten. Even though he enjoyed weddings, enjoyed activities, enjoyed fun, he always remembered his purpose. Remember your purpose. Your purpose is to do that which pleases God. It is to carry out what God has called for you to do. That's the purpose. It gives us the ability and the privilege to raise, to do these wonderful things. But then, he then says, let me. That's why at times when your children are acting up, they want to act a nut, that you just have to say, okay, the Lord is going to deal with you. Just place you in the hands of the Lord. Place you in the hands of the Lord. Now, 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 I need to say this. Be careful. <laughs> because it means that when we place them in the hands of God, that we're living in such a way to where God is honored and pleased with our life. They were saying, God, I've done my best, and even through my mistakes, I give it to you. I am convinced today that mother's influence on this earth is tremendous. When Mary raised, she did an, an awesome job. When we look at Jesus and the, respect and, and the fact that she was chosen, she, she did an awesome job. And she could then release him and say, go do the work that your father has called you to do. I have to remember when the Bible said that she pondered those things in her heart that when Jesus said what he did it reminded her ah he's different he has a purpose and a goal he has something that God has called him to do and I've got to let him do what his purpose and calling is right now bow your heads if you would I'm going to pray and then I'm going to just take two minutes for a couple of questions then we're going to do the next part in the end Today we are in this place, Lord, recognizing that the focus is always on Christ, and yet you allow us to partner with you, giving us great responsibility. Mothers have tremendous responsibilities when children come along, fathers out having to provide, and they oftentimes are the ones running the house. And so we pray that God, their role, will even though the world may look down on it and try to encourage them to go out and do all kinds of things outside the house or whatever, which is fine, but try to diminish their role as mothers. May God, it be understood that you have honored the role as mothers. And today we pray that you will allow mothers to know that the responsibility that you have given them has been influenced by you yourself. The grace, the mercy, the love, the teaching, the guiding has come from the Lord, what he's provided. And even when there's been mistakes, Lord, and problems, the Bible says that God 
is there anything? Bible says, is there anything too hard for me? That's what God says. Is there anything too hard for me? You're able to correct it. You're able to take care of it. You're able to allow your grace to handle it. We love you today. Pray for the mother that they will have a great day. In Jesus' name. Let me take two minutes for questions, then we're going to give flowers to mothers first, and we're going to do a little different. So, Brother Kenny, you had a question. I'm going to take it, and then we're going to do the next part. About raising him or just, or just over time since, since when he was with her? We don't know if that was the only that was the only time we don't have ongoing encounters that the Bible records of her having with 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 um, Jesus. I can imagine this though: when the angel did appear, and when that child was born, it had been a trip seeing in the house him grow up. What he must have known. You have to understand this: if it didn't, she didn't have to spank him. <laughs> you know so I, I mean when you look at with, with the influence that Mary and Joseph for the time that they had that we have to realize when God placed her, him in her care he had chosen the right person and gave her what she needed